So Jackie asks the question, what, what do you think about the Chosen series? Now that's an interesting question because um, I'll, I'll start by saying I actually have never seen it. Uh, I've heard of it, obviously, it's, it's well known. I'm familiar, of, uh, familiar with the storyline. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as watching the actual show, I have to say I've, I've only seen, I think I saw one episode early on. Uh, but I've, I've literally, outside of that, never watched the show. So I, I can't speak to the show itself. I know there's some controversy around some elements of it. But I will tell you that one of the, one of the criticisms of it uh, really does, in a general sense, uh, underlie my general uh, tendency not to watch a lot of Jesus-based movies or, in this case, TV show. Uh, and that is in, within the area of artistic license. Now, my, I guess I'll just really share a few thoughts on the concept in general, because I, I can't really, in honesty, speak to the show, The Chosen, specifically, because again, I've not really seen it. And I don't necessarily want to go off on any of the criticisms without having experienced those myself. So I don't want to be unfair to the, um, you know, to the writers or anything like that. I would say, though, I, as a general rule, have sort of a tendency away from watching many Jesus films or, or TV shows. Uh, and the reason for that is because it's really twofold. Uh, I'll see if I can remember to hit the second point when I explain the first. The, the first point I have, though, is, is based on the concept of the artistic license that is often necessary to fill in the gaps that the scriptures don't talk about when it comes to the life of Christ. Uh, or any character in scripture for that matter. There was, uh, by way of example, some years ago, there was a series of um, productions made by Turner Broadcasting, uh, stories from the Old Testament, like Moses and Joseph and that kind of thing. And at the time they came out, which at this point was now about 20, probably 20 years ago or more, um, I remember thinking that they were actually pretty well made, you know, um, but, you know, in similar fashion, there was oftentimes interjected certain amounts of information that the Bible does not specifically say, and maybe at best were taken from traditions, but at, at worst, not really taken from anywhere, but just sort of assumed upon the character. Uh, the person that was spoken of in Scripture is now being portrayed on screen. Um, in the Jesus uh, series, The Chosen, um, I've heard uh, the, the creator of the series uh, talk about how, you know, and I, I don't know if he was being actually exact in the statistic, uh, but he said, you know, basically 90% of the show is like right from scripture. Well, I think that's that's great. That's, that's a lot. That's better than probably most, um, if it's in fact 90%. But even if it's 90%, 10% is essentially subject to the uh, screenwriter's you know, or the, uh, the scriptwriter's uh, interpretation of things. Now, this is where, to me, I, I get a little iffy, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to try not to be real hard on it, because truth be told, even pastors on Sunday mornings have a tendency to uh, sort of fill in the blanks in certain areas of a text, you know, based on what is a reasonable assumption about certain elements. You know, we don't know, for example, when Paul says, I write with such big letters or the thorn in the flesh that he experienced. Uh, some pastors will go on to talk about, well, this is indicative of, of the eyesight issues that he had and, uh, and the th 
thorn in the flesh likely have to do with his eyesight and that kind of thing? Well, we don't really know that for sure. It might be a reasonable presumption, and so it's sometimes offered as a reasonable filling in the blank, but we don't really know for sure. And so it's that area right in there that sometimes can become a little bit, um, a little bit concerning when we, uh, when we take that information, include it in a, in a telling of the story, that then becomes part of the way the viewer or the hearer now understands that story. Now I do understand, and I'm, I'm a bit of an artist myself. I've been a musician my whole life. I've done some writing. I've, you know, I've obviously I speak for, you know, um, you know, for what I do. My 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 field and teaching is is all about speaking publicly, and so you know, there's an, and I do see sermon development and, and and sharing as as sort of an offering to the Lord as and such and so I, I, I you know I would, I would equate a certain amount of of that being within the world of, of artistic expression to some degree I'm not you know totally blending those lines but but I get the idea uh, I guess what I'm saying is I get the idea of why you might seek to sort of fill in areas that the scriptures might be silent in order to with continuity present a story of course, the gospel story is literally the greatest story ever told. But yet, if we're honest, as we look at the scriptures, there's huge areas of the life of Jesus that we really don't have any first-hand knowledge about. We don't know anything about what happened between the ages of 12 and about 33, or about 30, and 30 to 33 years old. Um, you know, there's traditions that we don't really know for sure are true, but, you know, are, are, are available and, and things that we can maybe glean from. But to be certain, we don't really know for sure. And so um, the tendency, therefore, becomes, well, how do we, with, without inserting something unfair or unreasonable, add an element that maybe helps fill in the context, or the overall context of the story? And when it comes to the chosen, you know, that's true in a lot of ways. Um, there's, you know, Matthew, for example, who I, I do recall seeing in one of the, you know, the, the early episode that I saw, uh, he's um, he's presented as somebody who is like on the autism spectrum. And I think that's an interesting and creative way to sort of present Matthew. But you know, there's no real reason to sort of project that on him. It may be true, and there's certainly nothing wrong with somebody who's on the autism spectrum. But anybody who watches the chosen will, from time to time, sort of incorporate that element into Matthew's personality when, in fact, we don't know that to be true about Matthew. Even the, uh, the way that Jesus might communicate or the mannerisms he shows, um, again, we know enough about him from what he did and what he taught and who he is in both his divinity and his humanity to make some reasonable presumptions about his personality. Children flocked to him, so he couldn't, he probably was not as somber as the Jesus of Nazareth portrayal, but probably is more like some of the other more light, uh, somewhat less uh, somber portrayals in that. Um, but we don't, we don't really know, you know? So it's not that we are even necessarily wrong. We might have hit it right on the, on the nose in some of these portrayals. But the fact that we don't know that means that we're taking a chance at how we're portraying somebody uh, on the screen. And there's, whether we like it or not, there's almost sort of an authoritative sense of something that's been produced in a way and then presented to the public for consumption and then it's consumed and that then begins to play uh, play some role in how somebody imagines Christ to be, or anybody else that's portrayed from Scripture. 
Uh, now again, I understand why we do those things and all that, but that, that, that's one of the reasons why I don't really spend a lot of time watching any of those kinds of things, because I don't really want those things to feed into my understanding of who they are. I don't really want to necessarily go further than what the scriptures say about any particular character. Uh, and even when I teach, I always make sure to include a caveat. If I'm going to step into an area of speculation, I'm going to make sure that it's clear that I'm doing that. Uh, now, of course, I wouldn't suggest the authors or the producers or directors of The Chosen haven't also done that. They may very well have done that even on the screen. They may have said that. Um, but I'm just saying, that's why I don't generally watch a lot of those kinds of things. I'm not necessarily discouraging you from watching it, because, I, again, I've not seen it to really give an honest critique of this particular show. And I can give some honest critiques of some of the various other Jesus films that have been out there. Uh, the actual Jesus film uh, is one example that I've seen a couple of times, and it was, by and large, really well done. Uh, it's very close to Scripture, and in, in most respects, as I uh, remember. Um, another example would be um, The Passion of the Christ which was an absolutely epic movie in many regards, but not all, not all. There was some clear, very clear Catholic reading into, uh, you know, much of the, uh, much of the, the suffering and the story in that, uh, sort of uh, almost a Stations of the Cross, almost kind of a, of a, of a visual in some of these things, um, which are not necessarily given in scripture, just various elements of the portrayal. I mean, as I recall, he like, He's in chains, he sort of goes over the side of a thing, and he's hanging there and all that kind of thing. We don't, we don't see that in Scripture, but it's sort of an embellishment taken by the Mel Gibson and, and whoever helped to write the screenplay in that. Um, so you always just want to be careful when you're taking in that information that you always remember that unless it is strictly following the text of Scripture, you're in, in an area that may or may not accurately represent that element of the story, and you just have to know that. Um, the other reason why I don't, and I'm glad I'm remembering now, the other reason why I don't um, really give a lot of time to these things is because God chose to give us his revelation uh, for the generations beyond that first generation where the apostles were on the scene receiving that revelation that would eventually become inscripturated into the, the, you know, the canon of scripture that we have. Um, anyone at all who lived beyond the first century or you could say the second century if you're thinking of people like, you know, uh, Polycarp or Papias or somebody who had, uh, Irenaeus, people who had direct access to the apostles, or at least some of the apostles. Um, anyone beyond that, by definition, is getting their primary source material about the gospel story or even any other part of the New Testament, certainly any part of the Old Testament, from the text itself. And I would say that is my, my personal view is that is by God's design. His intention was that every generation after the generation that received that revelation would receive it by virtue of the, the writings themselves, the texts themselves. And I think that since that's the way God intended us to get it, that that should become the primary means. And I, and I would argue you're not even on bad ground if that is, you know, with the exception of gleaning from commentaries and other materials that are intended to dig into for the sake of teaching the text, and insofar as they're accurate and fair contextually and culturally and all those kinds of things, you're on good ground when that becomes the basis for your understanding of anyone or anything that Scripture portrays. And so, 
as a teacher and as a Bible teacher and as one who has responsibility in, uh, in, in having influence in people's lives as a Bible teacher, um, I just personally choose not to spend a lot of time on things that might in some way unduly influence my understanding or my picture of what's going on there in the description of the characters or the doctrines or the circumstances or the cultural elements um, in which the scripture was ultimately given and about whom the scripture was ultimately given uh, in terms specifically of the person of Christ. So um, maybe I'll just kind of stop there, but that's my thoughts on The Chosen for having not seen The Chosen really. Uh, again, I can't really in good faith tell you whether or not you should watch it. I, I really don't know. It might be a, a beautiful portrayal and that kind of thing. Although it seems like some of the criticisms, criticisms about it um, are legit and probably worthy of some uh, of taking heed to. Um, but again, maybe insofar as you just recognize that you're, you know you're watching something that is based at least in part on speculation, uh, it doesn't make it unsafe to watch per se. But I, again, I think you just got to be aware of that sort of thing. Um, because, you know, in our day, the purity of what the scriptures give us needs to be disseminated, shared, taught with that same level of purity and that same sense of understanding of the importance of the purity of that gospel message. Uh, you know, if, if, uh, if, a past, if a pastor preaching on a Sunday morning uses the chosen as source material or even potentially it can be dangerous to use it even in illustration necessarily, depending on how you're using it, uh, I think you're always far better to make sure you're using the text of Scripture. And I guess this leads to one other concern that I would personally have. Uh, and I, 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 I'm, I'm giving it with a measure of trepidation because I don't want to assume anything on anybody. But human nature being what it is, there are a lot of people who claim to be Christians that don't spend a lot of time in the Bible, but will watch shows like The Chosen or any Jesus movie or any, you know, Christian-based movie or whatever, and they'll sort of develop their sense of theology and understanding based on those kinds of things rather than the text of Scripture itself. I think that's a really bad idea in general. Uh, I think it's never a good idea to try to grow in your faith based on what you've seen in someone else's dramatic portrayal of the Scripture. I think that you need to be in the Scripture, and that needs to sort of give you the ability to then therefore biblically discern whether or not the, the, the dramatic portrayals are accurate or not. Um, as a matter of fact, I remember talking to somebody who was sharing a Bible story that included some information that wasn't in it, that wasn't in the Bible, but it was from a movie or, or some you know, television or movie portrayal uh, of Christ. And so I know it happens. I know it happens. I've heard it before more than once, actually, uh, from my memory. But so, so that leads me to just kind of bring up that last consideration for you. Um, you know, if you're a student of the Word, if you love the Scriptures, if you're you know, if you're biblically astute and you watch a, movie, a show like The Chosen or a movie like Jesus of Nazareth or something like that, you know, you're not necessarily in any kind of danger or harm per se, but you do want to definitely be aware that, you know, you're watching a movie that is based to some degree, some greater, some lesser, on the biblical account, uh, but is, uh, is not necessarily just what the scriptures say. There's additional information being inserted there 
that may be reasonable, but strictly speaking, isn't biblical. So you don't know for sure if you want to let that sort of influence your understanding. Uh, I'll give one last story before I close, but uh, a guy at church uh, had a friend who was planning on doing sort of a some some level of budget portrayal of the conversation between Jesus and Pilate. And I think he was going to do it on on Pilate as a, as a person, uh, as the main character of his of his film, and uh, and 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 a big part of it was going to be the conversation between Pilate and Jesus. Uh, you know, of course, in John, you know, eighteen, you know, where um, you know what is truth and all this kind of you know from the account but he went on to tell the story and my friend wanted me to meet him because he, he wanted his friend wanted to run it by a pastor and see what I thought since he was going to likely try to market it to a, a Christian audience and uh, uh, so he started telling me his whole storyline and everything and about 90% of it was not biblical it was just his own sort of sense of how that relationship might have been or what other elements of that conversation might have existed or what implications of that conversation might have produced um, but most of it had nothing was not found anywhere in scripture uh, and so I told him and I, I basically essentially uh, gave him the same basic thing I just said here for the last 20 minutes and, and why I'm not really for uh, you know approaching dramatic representations of the Bible that are not completely biblically based and so um, I don't think he liked what I had to say, but, you know, thankfully we parted and it was all fine and good or whatever. I don't know whatever came of it, but, um, but you know, it's, uh, it was an example of, and, and who knows, maybe the Lord just, you know, prevented something from being put out there that was wildly aberrant, you know, so who knows. But, um, but you know, again, my, my last thought on this is, 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 again, just to reiterate that our our understanding of the scripture and any part of it, and certainly uh, no less so, and maybe even more so, the gospel itself. Uh, all of scripture is important. That's why I'm saying it this way. But certainly when it comes to the gospel, uh, we, we don't want to embellish. Uh, we don't want to tell elements of the story that, that we don't know for sure are scriptural. I mean, God has given us his revelation, which is to say he's given us all that he intended to be taken as being divinely inspired. And where the scriptures are silent, uh, we don't want to necessarily uh, make any kind of a habit of embellishing. You know, it's interesting that Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, I'm just thinking of this now, uh, in talking about, uh, in talking to the Corinthians who were in a, a city, Corinth, that was basically second to Athens in terms of influence of worldly philosophies and that. It was a huge philosophical center, a great center of thought philosophically. It was a place that was a port city that had lots and lots of people with ideas from all over the known world coming in and, and these ideas would be spread all over. And, and it's, it's, it's to this church that Paul essentially tells the readers uh, not to be swayed by the influence of those uh, uh, different philosophies now, but rather to recognize that God has given his truth. But but he makes a, a statement in that context where he says not to go beyond what is written. Speaking of, you know, necessarily buying into other ideas about gospel truth or about truth in general, but rather instead to turn to the scripture as the authority and not to go beyond that in terms of your understanding of what is true. Uh, and then he you know, puts his own apostolic authority behind it. He this kind of thing. Really important passage. Uh, and I think it, it, it finds a connection with this discussion.
uh, and that when we portray something biblical or we talk about the gospel uh, story, and, I mean, the Lord knows there's enough distortions of the gospel message by itself, uh, but the gospel story as well, you know, the story of Christ and his earthly ministry. Um, we want to just, you know, we, we're, not, we're not doing God any favors by introducing new material to that which he's given us. And so that being said, for those who would produce these kinds of things, be wary of that. And for those who imbibe these kinds of things, just make sure you, you, you watch them, listen to them with the understanding that, um, that the scriptures are the basis for what we know to be true and provide us with all that we do know for sure is true regarding the gospel and regarding the person of Christ and for that matter anyone in scripture this is what we know we can cling to and stand upon and other source materials that are legit from the time again like I said before can, can maybe help us understand maybe some element um, but we do want to make sure that we remember that the scriptures are only uh, our only absolute guide and rule for uh, faith and, and life and, and is the authority for that. So um, so that's my thoughts. And again, I uh, uh, apologize if you're looking for some really great review on The Chosen specifically. Uh, I can't really give that in fairness, and I'm probably not going to sit down and watch three seasons of it just to be able to do that. But, um, but you know, for what it's worth, that's, that's, that's my approach to not only The Chosen, but any uh, Jesus film or Bible movie or TV show or anything like that. We just always want to be a little careful and make sure that we understand what the Bible does actually say and what things are maybe added to sort of fill in the blanks a little bit where they might uh, exist in terms of the telling of the story. So uh, hopefully that's helpful on some level. Don't know if it is or not. Maybe you, maybe you really don't like hearing what I just had to say. But uh, whatever the case, if you have any thoughts or comments, you're always welcome to share them on uh, the comment section on our YouTube channel. Or if you want to send me an email at info at calvarychapelfranklin.com. You can certainly do that as well. This uh, this question came in our YouTube channel from Jackie, uh, who's been watching and, and asked this question. I've got a few more I'm going to try and get to in the coming days, and um, and uh, definitely do appreciate you watching, listening. Thanks for being with us, and we'll catch up with you next time. Father, we thank you that you've given us the gospel. You've given us uh, your word that tells us what the gospel is. It tells us plenty about the person of Christ and about uh, you know basically it tells us everything you want us to know for sure. And we want to stand on those things. And so insofar as other portrayals are given, um, we thank you for those that desire to make the gospel known and desire to make Jesus known to people outside of the church. Uh, certainly don't fault the motivation and just pray that, Lord, you'd, uh, uh, you know, in terms of any of those who want to do that kind of thing, we just pray that they would be uh, just completely faithful to that revelation that you have already given us uh, and to recognize the, the stewardship that those of us who have been given your word have in terms of sharing it and portraying it and telling the stories. So um, we just praise you and bless you and, and thank you that uh, you're ultimately using all things for your purposes one way or another. And we would just pray for those who are putting these uh, kinds of shows out and movies out that they would recognize that. Certainly I'm, I'm guessing they, they're going into it wanting to honor you and bless you. So I just pray that they would always do so in the way that they go about the work that they're putting out there. So, And for those of us who watch and, and take in some of these things, give us discernment to recognize that which is truly rooted in Scripture and that which might be speculation. Help us to only build our faith and our understanding and our knowledge of these things on that which you've given us for sure, your word, your, your, uh, your revealed word, your, uh, 
your word made more sure, your prophetic word made more sure, as Peter called it. So we love you, Lord. Thank you and praise you. We bless you, and, um, and we just desire to honor you in Jesus' name.